This podcast is sponsored by GCK Consulting, a next generation political consulting firm. From fundraising to polling to campaign strategy, GCK is helping get millennials elected all across the country. To learn more about GCK and their services, just go to gckconsults.com. Again, that's gckconsults.com. All right, now to the podcast. Welcome to the Millennial Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Valerie. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And today I'm joined by Jen Dean of Chicago Votes, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization building a more inclusive democracy by putting power in the hands of young Chicagoans. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So what involvement did Chicago votes have in the 2018 midterms? And what do the election results mean for your city? Yeah, so one of the best parts of Chicago votes is we are everywhere. We are all over the city. So two of our big programs are Parade to the Polls and Cook County Jail Votes. And so those were our two big initiatives that really drove our get out the vote efforts this year. And the Parade to the Polls program is really cool. We go into CPS high schools, usually on the south and west sides, and we bring voters to go vote for the first time. So we'll go into a senior classroom, and we'll be like, hey, here's Civics 101. And we do it in our own, like, niche, cool way. Um, so it's, it's really important to us that not only are people voting, but they're informed voters. So we give the uh, students voter guides to reflect issue stances um, so they know which candidates are going to be on the ballot our ballot measures, um, and so we bring them to go vote, and that's really cool. We also run the Cook County Jail Votes Program, which essentially we do voter registration in the jail, and then we also implement the elections in the jail. So what necessitates the Cook County Jail Votes Program? What exactly is the situation for incarcerated people who want to vote? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think it's important to really think about who is in Cook County Jail and or in pretrial detention across the U.S. in general. Um, and so in Chicago specifically, there's around 7,000 people who are detained in Cook County Jail, and they're all pretrial detention for the most part. So 94% of the jail can actually vote um, because they haven't been convicted of a crime yet. And we know that um, once once you are arrested and you are waiting for trial, typically people will post bail or bond uh, to be released. And so the people who are in Cook County Jail can't afford bond to get out. So they're essentially people uh, from lower economic income status who just can't get out. Um, and we feel that's not fair. So we make sure that we are focusing on the most marginalized populations in Chicago, and we feel like Cook County Jail is the perfect place to start for that. Um, because essentially, without uh, organizations in jails doing the voter registration or election implementation work, it's like unlikely that it's going to happen. Um, because we've realized even in Cook County Jail, in-person voting was only happening for the suburban uh, Cook County and not even in Chicago. So we know that there's a lot of voters who are eligible to vote who are being left out of the process. And how successful was that program this year? Really successful. So the first of all, so the voter registration, we've registered over 3,000 people to vote alone in Cook County Jail, which is a huge accomplishment because sometimes it could take an hour just to register two voters in Cook County Jail. 
depending on the level of security. So we're really proud of that number. Um, and in addition to that, in March was the first jail-wide in-person election. Um, and we had around 500 people cast their ballot in March. And this time around, it was our second time, we had around 800 people. So we doubled the voter turnout in the jail, which is really um, something to be proud of. So we hear a lot about how young people don't vote, young people never vote. There was increased turnout this year. Why is it that young people vote at a lower rate, though? So there's a lot of reasons to go into that. One, I think young people feel like the system is not working for them, especially young black and brown people. Um, and, and that's valid. We typically are left out of conversations. When I go into policy meetings, I'm usually the youngest person at the table. So we typically are left out of those conversations, and they should be mad about that, which impacts their voting. Because if you feel like your voice isn't heard, why would you go out and continue to vote? So I think, one, there's, you know, they feel like they're not included. And two, voter registration is really difficult. So our state in Illinois, we're lucky we have things like online voter registration. You don't need an ID to register to vote. Other states are really difficult. Sometimes you have to show an ID. So when you think through young people, especially in cities like Chicago, most young people don't have cars here. So they're not actively going to get their driver's license. Um, I think that things like automatic voter registration will help a lot with that, especially pre-registration at 16 if they do end up passing that policy. But, you know, just having access to it is a huge issue. And then when we do go and bring young people to go vote, especially with our Pray to the Polls program, if you bring 50 Southside students to a public library, typically the poll workers aren't too happy to see us there. And it's a disturbance and we're being loud, even though we're just celebrating going to vote. So I I think that in general, there's just a stigma against young people that they don't care. The reality is we care very much. We are very involved. I think that there's just significant amount of barriers set up to prevent us from getting to the polls. Why did these barriers exist in the first place? What is the state of voting rights on a federal level? So we know uh, American history is a little complicated and complex. And first of all, voting was specifically reserved for white men who owned land. So the barriers start out with that. Like, do you own property? Are you a man or a woman? Like that, those were the first barriers. And now it's turned into things like uh, polling locations in Chicago sometimes are in police stations. Well, if you're a young person in Chicago and you don't have the greatest relationship with law enforcement, which is normal in Chicago, why would you go into a a police station to go vote? That's very intimidating. So thinking about where are these polling locations at, if there's a three-hour line to go vote, no people don't want to wait in those lines. And that's crazy at this point because it's a lack of resources from the Chicago Board of Elections. So why is there only so many early voting locations and things like um, something else? Oh, so, for example, one polling location, uh, South Shore voting location, they ran out of voter registration forms, same day voter registration. You had lines of people who were showing up to register and vote. And there was no voter registration form. So I think that there's definitely issues with our election authorities to make sure that they're prepared and to make sure that poll workers are prepared to handle new additions to the election code. And did the 2018 midterm signal any change? Are there concrete measures that are going to be taken to 
improve access to the ballot and fight for voting rights? Yeah, so there's obviously a bunch of local groups who are always pushing new uh, voting rights. And I think the big ones to keep an eye on right now in Illinois is automatic voter registration. So the Secretary of State's office has promised that implementation would have happened already, and it hasn't. And they don't have the software to back automatic voter registration until midsummer. And that's not what was written in the legislation at all. So it's making sure that AVR passes and is actually implemented through the Secretary of State's office would help a ton this upcoming year. Um, the other thing to look, um, continue to look forward to is the voting in jails legislation. So HB 4469, there was an amendatory veto from the governor. Uh, we have decided to not uh, try and override it. So we're going to wait until January to uh, start pushing the voting in jail legislation again. But essentially, that is just making sure that people on pretrial have access to vote. Um, the 14th Amendment uh, basically states that we are entitled to due process, meaning that we are not uh, we are not guilty until proven guilty. So people on pretrial can't have their citizenship taken away. And one of our biggest rights of citizenship is to go vote. So we're just making sure that we're enforcing that through uh, the voting in jail legislation. What is the state of voting rights for people, say, convicted of felonies in your state? We saw in Florida recently people convicted of felonies excluding murder and rape. Once they serve their sentence, they are now allowed to vote again. Is that the same in your state? So in Illinois, the current law is once you have served your time for any felony or misdemeanor, you you have to fill out a voter registration form and then you'll be added back to the voter rolls. The Illinois Department of Corrections takes people off the voter rolls once they enter prison, so it's important we get them back on. However, if you are currently incarcerated and serving time for a felony, you cannot vote. So you can't vote if you're in prison here. But once you are released, your rights are restored. And are you pushing for any reforms in that to ensure perhaps that everyone can vote regardless of whether they are currently incarcerated or not? So currently, we're just really focusing on people who are in pretrial detention. Uh, we've set the standard, I think, across the U.S. So since March, I've had 22 other jails reach out to me to try and implement the same program that we have going on here. And that's 700,000 people that are on pretrial across the U.S. So we're really trying to just focus in on that population. However, we are part of a think tank in Statesville. And essentially, we go in and the guys at Statesville, they uh, do policy recommendations upon themselves. They let us know about it. And then we can focus our policy based on people who are directly impacted. And one of the things that the Statesville that the guys really want to see is voter education classes. Um, upon release. So typically when you're released from prison, there's about a three-month process to kind of get you back into society. So things like getting an ID, making sure you have a bus card, stuff like that. So what the guys really want is some voter education classes. So that's going to be a piece of legislation that's upcoming in this year as well. Um, so really just those two alone are, are great catalysts for you know what can be done in the future. But we do know, I think Vermont, Maine, and Puerto Rico, they do allow you to vote while in prison. And what other reforms are you going to be focusing on in this legislative session? We are currently trying to figure out our municipal work and um, our state level work. So we have not come up with our exact issues that we're going to be working on. However, we do, uh, of course, plan on continuing the voting in jail. We will continue to be on the Safer Illinois Coalition, which is marijuana legalization 
And then we're going to choose three or four other issues to, that will be all related to voting for the most part. Um, we're going to pick those issues. And then our idea is once we have a youth policy platform, we are going to then present that to the mayoral candidates and ask them, hey, do you endorse this policy platform? So we can see how the mayoral candidates stand on the issues that young people care about. And then in the summer, we hope to have a candidate orientation where whoever is elected as the next mayor, governor, congresswoman, congressman, all those new people, we hope to get them into a room and present to them what is our youth policy platform of Chicago and then work with legislators to ensure that you know our policy is taken seriously and that we have a seat at the table when those discussions are being had. And what is your relationship to elected officials? How do you interact with them? Um, in many different ways. So for our uh, voting in jail HB four four six nine legislation, uh, that was a ton of advocacy in Springfield and calling legislators, uh, a ton of online organizing, which is something that we're taking more seriously this year. We realized, yes, field organizing is great, but also a lot of people are online. So uh, we've been communicating with them on uh, public platforms. We write them. We invite them to our give a shit happy hours. So that's something else that we do in Chicago is we throw give a shit happy hours where we focus on an issue, get young people into the bar room and you know, we just make it a very like fun place to talk about issues in Chicago. So we'll invite them to that stuff. Um, and then also just really intentionally talking to them through through the issues that we care about. So J.B. Pritzker has already stated um, at our last event that he's very supportive of voting in jail. So, you know, hopefully he'll be working with us on that in 2019. And then what's really cool is the um, chief sponsor of our bill is uh, the new Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton. So that's really exciting as well. And we hope to continue our relationship with her. And going into the future, how do you think we can keep millennials involved? How do we keep the momentum going beyond Donald Trump? Making sure that they're the ones who are creating the strategy for for change and really listening to them. Um, I'm 30, I'm going to be 31 next month. And I'm kind of on the tail end of the millennial group. So I've, I've even realized that I, I'll be like, oh, no, we shouldn't do that because, like, that's not smart. But the reality is it's smart to young people, so we should be doing it regardless of my opinion. Um, and I think that it's really important for adults to just check ourselves and really take a back seat. And if a young person wants to have an event at a bar and call it Give a Shit Happy Hour to talk about issues that they should give a shit about, we're going to do that. And we did it. And it was a huge success this summer. So I think that that's a big thing is just to allow young people to really drive the change. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and telling us about your work. Thank you, Jordan. Appreciate it. Of course. And lastly, to our listeners, to stay up to date with the Millennial Politics Podcast, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow Millennial Politics on social media, and tune into the Progressive Radio Network every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern to hear our newest episodes. Thanks for listening.